Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Matt Leon in a moment to talk about the Phillies. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. And now the 1-0 offering is swung on a fly ball to deep right. Calhoun going back. Calhoun at the track. He will watch it fly. And for the A's, it's three walk-offs in a row. Do you believe that? Jed Lowry has done it for the A's. Jed Lowry with the game winner last night. As the A's won it in Anaheim over the Angels, the final 3-2. Let's bring in now Matt Leon, KYW Philadelphia. Let's talk about the Phillies for a bit. Matt, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Great to be with you as always. Uh, uh, we're about, mm, what, about 20% into the Major League Baseball season. So what's your take on the Phillies so far? Um, I think overall about what you thought. I, I still think they're a 500 team. Right. I know they're four, they're four games under here, but they have, uh, they've played a pretty tough schedule here early on. Nine of their 30 games have been against Washington. So about a third of their games have been against one of the best teams in baseball. They had four games with the Cubs, three with the Dodgers. So, you know, more than half their games so far this season have been against really probably the elite teams in the National League. And, uh, you know, they're four games under 500 when you consider they've probably thrown three games away with terrible ninth innings. Right. And I know that's part and parcel, but that's something I think that's fixable. Uh, they're going to be okay. You're starting to, to get a feel for what's working, what's not, and uh, where you could see the next wave of prospects start to plug in. All right. Uh, you said at the beginning you thought the constant night in and night out was that the Phillies could keep themselves in games with their starting pitching. Is that how it's played out so far? Yeah, I would say that I, I think the ceiling's even higher for the starting pitching as it is now. I right. think uh, Jeremy Hellickson was really good. His last two starts have been rocky. Uh, he wasn't terrible yesterday against the Nets, but he was uh, not nearly as economical with his pitches as we're used to, and as a result, he couldn't get out of the fifth inning. Uh, but there's no reason to think that he won't keep uh, moving right along. Uh, Jared Eikhoff had been really good with nothing to show for it. He's been a little rocky his last couple starts. Uh, I would actually expect him to, to throw a good one tomorrow night against Seattle. Uh, one of the wild cards here is Aaron Nola, who's been sidelined his last couple of starts with a back problem. Uh, sounds like he's pretty close to starting a quick rehab stint, and he'll uh, be back up because uh, his first couple starts were real encouraging. Uh, the, the one guy that's gotten better here as of late is Vince Velazquez, who we talked about Jeremy Hellickson having problems uh, being an economist on his last start. That's something Velazquez has gotten better with. Uh, he did get hit around by Washington, but pitched seven innings. 
uh, finish the game strong, and uh, you, you're starting to see him maybe figure it out a little bit because the arm is there. And uh, one of the guys that I think really makes this rotation better when you figure when you think of uh, where they were opening day to now is Zach Eflin. Uh, he took Clay Buckholtz's spot when Buckholtz got hurt. Buckholtz was tough to watch. Yeah. Uh, you felt like everybody was a full count. Uh, you know, he, he really struggled getting in and out of innings. Eflin, I think, has the potential to, to be a, a high-end part of this rotation because he is a guy that can get through innings. He doesn't. It's amazing. It kind of tells you, uh, you know, how they can struggle offensively and struggle in the bullpen. Eflin's made four starts. He's pitched seven innings in at least three of them, and he has yet to get a decision either way, which is really pretty hard to do. Uh, but uh, I think he has a chance. You've got a chance specifically with him and Eikhoff to have two right-handers who can consistently take you deep in the games and, uh, you know, and really anchor the middle of this rotation uh, for years to come. I'm very high on Zach Eflin. So I think overall you're, you're pretty pleased with the rotation, and I think if anything it's going to get better here in the next few weeks as Nola gets healthy and a couple of guys round more into form. And baseball's also become mad a game of specialization. You can get through five, six innings with your starter, and then you can bring in somebody who can throw 95, 96 in the sixth. 95-96 in the 7th with a different guy. Same thing in the 8th and ninth. How are the Phillies set up in terms of developing that kind of back end of the of the, uh, of the a game? I mean, on paper they have it right now. When you look at Hector Neris, Joaquin Benoit, even Pat Neshek has been yeah. very good. I mean, Neshek just drives you nuts with his wind-up and his delivery. Uh, but Neris has, you know, Jenmar Gomez was not good coming out of spring training. He was not good the end of last year. They did start as the closer with him, did not last long, and they took him out of the closer role. And you kind of thought, all right, you know, I didn't think that was a big deal because they had all kinds of arms to compensate. It hasn't really worked out that way. Neris has really struggled uh, in the ninth inning. Uh, Benoit has been pretty good with the exception of uh, a couple of key home runs he's given up in really, really terrible spots. Uh, Nishek has probably been the most consistent guy out of the bullpen. And uh, if they continue to, to have some late-inning struggles, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets a look. I still think they have the pieces to do exactly what you're saying, where yeah. you know reliever X gets the seventh, reliever X gets the right. eighth, and, and, and Y gets the ninth. Because I think they've got the arms and they've got the guys with the ability. It's just they've struggled in the roles. And uh, if they can figure that out, I think they've got the potential to be able to shorten games to six innings. Uh, even though, you know, you look at some of their stats, you know, they're, I think, I don't know if this is still the case, at one point last week they had given up the most home runs and the, the most runs in the ninth inning. Their bullpen had given up the most home runs by, by the most. It was a, a lot of really alarming stats that you don't think they should have the problems with with the quality of arms they have in there. Baseball, though, right now in terms of ball in play, not a high percentage. Last night's Cubs game with the uh, Yankees. Now, I know it went 18 innings, but that was 48 strikeouts, which means in a nine-inning game, half that would have been 24. That's way too high. Uh, is pitching dominating the game too much right now, in your opinion? Is offense taking too much of a back seat? I think uh, when you talk about – I think the big key is the specialization you talk about. You know, it used right. to be, you know, back in our day, Steve, you know, a guy would get uh, – <laughs> would get three or four looks at a guy. Yeah. And by a third or fourth look, even a, even sure. the good pitchers, you kind of figured it out, or at least you got your timing down. Right. You know, now assume you get, now there's a chance that on most nights you're going to face a guy twice. 
you know, even if he's throwing pretty well. And then you're going to face a, you know, if you're a left-hander, you're going to face a guy coming three-quarters from the side, you know, throwing 74-mile-an-hour slider your next time. And then you're going to face a guy throwing 97 up and in your, your final time. I think that I think the specialization of the bullpen has a lot to do with it. I think inconsistent uh, strike zones have a lot to do with it as well. I think it's harder and harder for guys to, to sit on uh, what they want. But uh, I would, if I had to put the, the main reason for that, I think it's the, the specialization with the bullpen and the ability for managers to, to basically go inning by inning, as we've been talking, after the fifth inning if they right. want. I know you take a long, hard look at the Phillies minor league system, which is obviously the future of what's going on, including some of the guys they have that are there now that are part of the foundation of what they want to do. What have you seen in the Philly system so far this year? Uh, first baseman Reese Hoskins, who yeah. was phenomenal at Reading uh, last year, has not missed a beat uh, at AAA this year. He hit a, I think he had a grand slam in one of the games of a doubleheader on Sunday. Uh, if you're looking at, you know, kind of how this could play out here, if Tommy Joseph continues to struggle, it would not surprise me if Reese Hoskins gets a shot up here, uh, at least in a cameo role here, because he is proving to, uh, as I had uh, one of the minor league broadcasters describe to me today, Reese, there, there are guys you call power hitters. He says Reese Hoskins is a hitter with power. Yeah. He is not just a guy that's going to turn on a fastball. He is a guy that knows what he's doing, has an approach up there. So he's one to watch. Uh, they've got tons of outfield talent at AAA, and guys like Roman Quinn, Dylan Cousins, and Nick Williams. Uh, so far, none of them have really broken through and really wowed anyone. Uh, specifically, Cousins was really rough early on. I just actually looked at his uh, game log, and at one point uh, in late April, he was at like 118 for the season. He's gotten that average up to 172, uh, still struggling with breaking stuff, still striking out a lot, but not not quite as much as he was early on but they're in a nice place where they don't have to rush any of these guys That's there's right. no pressure to win this year and they've really kind of i don't want to say a lot of people had kind of forgotten about aaron altair because he got hurt last year and when mm-hmm. he came back at the end of the last year from that wrist injury he wasn't overly impressive but he looks like a star in the making right now and i don't want to you know overdo it with a guy that's only had you know whatever it is 75 at bats this year but you just look at this kid his ability to to drive the ball tied the game with a pinch hit three run home run last night can steal bases is one of the best defensive outfielders in terms of getting to the baseball covering ground that I've seen in a long time I would be surprised if he doesn't eventually end up in center just because of his ability to track uh, they're in a good spot with Odubel Herrera and with Altair that's two young guys you've got in your outfield that uh, you can hold it down there and, you know, we're not used to this in this day and age, but it wasn't that long ago when it wasn't crazy for guys to get a 1,000 at-bats at AAA. Right. It didn't mean they weren't breaking through. It didn't mean they were a buff. It just meant they were developing. They're in a situation where they can do that. Maybe not quite that much with these guys, but they don't have to rush any of these guys. They can let them work through the peaks and valleys of AAA, and uh, it, it's not going to affect things. So those are three outfield names to keep an eye on. I don't know that any of them are close in a perfect world. Injuries, obviously, right. would, would change a dynamic. But, uh, you know, I I think you're going to see Aaron Altair move into a, a full-time spot. It's going to be interesting. Howie Kendrick's on the DL right now. When he comes back, you've got Michael Saunders, who's on a short-term contract, but you're giving a pretty nice piece of coin to. Uh, do you move Kendrick, start sliding him to first base to take some Tommy Joseph? It's a nice problem to have. They've got versatility, and they've got guys to fill the spot. Matt, always a pleasure, my friend. 
Thank you so much. Matt Leon from KYW in Philadelphia. Good look at the Phillies, where they are right now, and also a look at the farm system as well. Uh, we'll uh, delve more into that. Phillies, of course, on the air tonight and tomorrow. They're in this time slot. Deep down, both of you will miss me. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. And sorry, our Facebook numbers. Wow, they're all up across the board, huh? Very uh, nice. Yeah, uh, did get some numbers from uh, our digital media guru. Yeah, and uh, podcast well, number gonna, podcast numbers are up yeah. as well. So there goes keep... the accuracy. <laughs> uh, for those who uh, forgot or did not know, Steve Jones Show now available on podcast on both iTunes and Google Play. So subscribe there today. If you do listen to us on iTunes, feel free to leave us a review. We appreciate that. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. No, that all the numbers are, are really great. Um, now that I know the source, I think we'll just bag the same. <laughs> I'm a bit concerned about accuracy. <laughs> Oh, uh, you had high hopes, and then I brought in your slice of reality. <laughs> Twelve hundred seventy-two days of the twenty twenty Indy five hundred. <laughs> Having fun crunching numbers during the commercial break, huh? <laughs> I have to admit, the last two years I made up. <laughs> I just kind of did three times something and just went, okay, that's close enough. <laughs> I don't think we have anybody out in the audience going, I think he's off by a week. <laughs> that sounded straight up accurate to me. I'm thinking, okay, Jack didn't call during the break. <laughs> no. No, Jack hasn't called me for a couple of days. Dick called me today, but... <laughs> Dick's going to be back on for the Preakness next week, by the way. Yeah. Um, I can tell you right now who he is not picking for the Preakness. Okay, I'll, I'll just say, uh, uh, well, obviously probably not McCracken. See, I thought McCracken got a, a bad, I don't want to say the words bad break, but the, yeah, he, got, he kind of got bumped around a little bit. Yeah. No, he's he's not picking always dreaming. Who? He said that you that the brilliance of the ride of Johnny Velasquez. Remember, now, remember I led him into the combination of Todd Pletcher and Johnny V. I mean, I led him into that cuz I cuz I I've mentioned Johnny V on the show before about the kind of rider he is. His brilliance, I mean, what he did on Saturday wins the race. It won the race. He figured out where the hardest mud was on the track, and that was against the rail. And that's where he ran his horse. Everybody else that went to the outside got into the mud mud, and they they, they couldn't battle through it. He had the right spot. 
he ran that horse in clean air the entire time. Because, I mean, that horse is a wild child, you know. You do know that, right? That horse, I mean, the exercise rider took off on that thing the uh, before the derby, like a few days before, and had no control over it. Like, none. So, Todd Pletcher brought in another exercise rider and then got Johnny V on him, and that seemed to calm the horse down. And Dick said when the horse came out of the paddock and was doing the walk to the track, Dick was standing right there, and he was with somebody else, and their first comment was, it could be his day-to-day because he's calm. All week that horse was not calm. Also, Todd Pletcher has run 48 horses in the Kentucky Derby. He's now won twice. Now here's an interesting trivia question. How many horses has Todd Pletcher run in the Preakness? I'll give you two guesses. Uh, let's see. I'll say, I'll say not as many, so I'll go 20. Okay. Less. Okay. 10. Eight. Oh. Now he obviously ran Super Saver because Super Saver won the Derby. His other Derby win. So you know, you win the Derby, you automatically. I mean, except I think it was one year somebody skipped the Preakness or something. It was crazy. But normally, you win the Derby, you automatically go go to the Preakness. Todd Pletcher has never has not been a guy who often has gone from the Derby to the Preakness. And not only that, here's the other part. Pletcher, of course, operates out of New York. He did not take the horse back to New York. He did something completely off the rails. You know what he did with the horse? He brought it to Baltimore. He brought it to Pimlico, which is something he never does because they don't they don't feel the horse can use another trip. Because again, the horse gets squirrely. I mean that is a, that that horse gets squirrely, so they wanted to cut down on the number of squirrely opportunities for the horse. So Todd Pletcher has brought him to Pimlico already. I mean straight from Louisville. That make for an interesting trivia question: How many horses that have won both the Derby and the Preakness? Like how early did did that horse get to Pimlico to start prep and training for that second race? That have won the Derby. That have won both races. That have won both the Derby and the Preakness. How many of those went right away? Yeah, straight up to Baltimore. Eh, that's an interesting question. But that's not been Todd Pletcher. Todd Pletcher normally has a horse that is in the Derby, and he skips the Preakness, and he runs the, the horse runs another horse in the Belmont. Pletcher's won Belmonts. So that's interesting. I got all this from a half-hour talk with Dick today. <laughs> Final half-hour coming up. Phone lines open at 1-800-795-9565. We're brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Roots 11 and 15 in beautiful downtown Hummel's Wharf. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. 
Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Time now for the sports bozos of the day. Now, you know one of the things I don't like about the coverage of the NBA is the WWE effect on it. I have nothing against the WWE. It is a show unto itself that is very popular. And really, as a WWE makes no pretense, it is a soap opera that plays out in a ring. Fair enough, Sean? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good good versus bad, favorite versus evil, whatever. Well, the coverage of the NBA, especially by ESPN, is something where you just shake your head and say, okay, what are you people doing? So here's ESPN.com today. And here are the two stories. Westbrook Durant, back on talking terms. Uh, I have three words. I don't care. Thank good. Uh, Thank uh, goodness. Okay. I was losing sleep over that. I mean, you know, I was kind of hoping we'd be on decent talking terms with Putin for a little bit. You know, I mean, just in case we needed something. Um, Kendrick Perkson says he brokered a call between Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. That took place after Westbrook eclipsed Oscar Robertson's triple-double record last month. So they're back and talking again. To say I am relieved is beyond words. Then the other, next story that they have here. Uh, is 08 Celtics. Ball is in Ray Allen's court to make peace. Now they made a big deal about this on all their shows today. That Ray Allen is not on great terms with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Rajon Rondo, Kendrick Perkins, and and Big Baby Glenn Davis. Who cares? I don't care. I'm a you know. Look, I grew up a Celtics fan. I remember in 2008 when they won. I remember exactly where I was when they won, and the whole deal. It's great to see, you know. I had a lot of fun watching it. What? But I don't care if they talk. I don't care if they have reunions. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It is, I mean, because Ray Allen left to go to the Miami Heat and didn't tell the others. Okay. I mean, obviously, if if you were to leave, you'd tell me what was going on. So, I mean, I understand that part. But is it a national story? That That's a big story that they don't talk to Ray Allen and Ray Allen doesn't talk to them? I mean, this this constitutes news these days? I mean, this, this constitutes news. Really? Okay. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I think they're struggling. Okay, Here are the news stories on CBS Sportsnet. Harvey admits he was out late before golf apologizes. ESPN did have something similar to that. Aaron Hernandez murder conviction dismissed. They had a piece of that. After that, okay, 
Here are the CBS stories. Rajon Rondo, my injury probably kept the Bills from uh, the Bulls from sweeping the Celtics. All right, some interest there. Michael Vick offers perspective on Bengals rookie Joe Mixon. Interesting. I'd like to hear it. Missouri Valley votes for Valparaiso to replace Wichita State. Interesting. That's news. I mean, I mean that's what they have. All right, let's look at sport, uh, Sports Illustrated, SI. Harvey apologizes for behavior. I'm extremely embarrassed. Okay, so all three have the same story. Uh, judge throws out Hernandez murder conviction. Same story. Now, they have 2008 Celtics reunite to tail sour breakup with Ray Allen. They've got it. Uh, Charles Barkley and why he started a series on race relations. Um, I mean, these are the stories they have. NBA stars silent have left us speechless in the playoffs. The silent stars. They're talking about Kawhi Leonard, James Harden. Major League Baseball again confronts its complex racial issue. Interesting story. Will Jazz pony up money to keep its stars this summer? Interesting story. What what does ESPN have? They they again, two of their six stories are soap opera stories. I don't know. It's interesting that what has come together for ESPN. ESPN is a is going to make a great expose, a great book for somebody. Uh, and Jim Miller's the guy that's that wrote the other book before. Look that one up, Sean. Let's see if we can get him on the show. Because they're going to make a great book for somebody that. Remember the old saying, nothing corrupts more than absolute power? Now, ESPN's not corrupted, so that's not what I'm trying to say here. But you can develop an attitude of invincibility when you think you have absolute power. ESPN, I think developed an attitude of invincibility that between commercials which look people are buying left and right to be on ESPN they were at 100.1 million subscribers more than anybody else sports market's hot remember the what this story I gave you yesterday 365 days in a year on 152 of the nights Sports won the night, whether it was in the cable ratings or the overall over-the-air ratings. 152 nights, sports won. Yeah, it's hard to believe James Miller's book has been out for close to six years now. Those guys have all the fun inside yes. the world of ESPN. Yeah, I'd love to get him on the show uh, because he's followed this closely. So now you get to a point where you're trying to there's, – there's competition from Fox – I mean, make no mistake, there's competition from Fox. Even though Fox Sports won, it's trying to find some traction here. I mean, really, the only big contract they, you know, the only big contracts Fox Sports one has had is that they've had NASCAR, Major League Baseball, which in the playoffs paid off big for them, especially with the Cubs this year. 
They'll have the baseball playoffs, and they've got the Big East. Well, now they're adding the Big Ten. Hmm. Now, what did ESPN feel it had to do to ward off the competition? They zeroed in on the properties that they thought they needed to have. They thought that college football, which then, of course, brings with it college basketball, was a property they needed to have. So they put together long-term contracts with the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the SEC, plus started the SEC network. They also paid $608 million for the college football playoff per year. Because they felt they had to have it, and it was an advantage over the opposition. So the ability to have it, yes. Did they overpay for it? Hmm. Interesting question. They felt that, obviously, they, they feel that having the NFL is something they absolutely have to have. I completely understand that. I think if you get out of the NFL business, uh, that doesn't help you as a, as a cable entity. They... The, the 16 Monday night games win the week every week, by the way, for ESPN. They do. The ratings may have gone down, but they win the week every week. They decided no go on hockey. NBC has that. They paid, I think, $75 million to add the U.S. Open Tennis Championship. So now they have the Grand Slam tournaments, Wimbledon, the French Open, Australian Open, and then they paid $75 million a year for the U.S. Open. A lot of people, that's one we haven't really talked about. So that was to keep it away from, again, other entities. So they went all in on that. But the one that they went all in on, I mean, we've already talked about how they dramatically overpaid for the NFL. I mean, that, that, that contract's off the rails. But the other one was going way off the rails for the NBA. Now, some have opined, and I'm talking in the comments section, about whether the political viewpoints of ESPN that are espoused now either by their anchors or reporters or whatever has played a role in people wanting to cut the cord. And you've seen one article after another across the country saying, no, 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 that's not the case. Zero, no, don't put that down as a case as to why the layoffs occurred. Now, those articles, to me, are absolutely correct. They don't have anything to do with um, people being laid off. Zero. But remember the question I asked John Oran last week. Remember this, Sean? I didn't ask him if the political viewpoints hurt ESPN. I asked him if the political viewpoints that ESPN let slip into his coverage if it either helped them or if it kept them from losing viewers. There is nobody out there that says it helps them. And there is nobody out there I've read that says it's allowed them to retain viewers. In other words, that's a completely different way of asking the question. I did not ask him if the political viewpoints that ESPN lets slip into its coverage at times, whether it's on the talk shows or uh, the the anchors or whatever it happens to be. I didn't ask if that's hurt. I asked the opposite question. Does ESPN think it's helped them maintain an audience? And, of course, John can't answer that. Jim Miller may be able to. 
John Orray will be one of the first to tell you that you know he'll get comments left and right, and a lot of the comments are, "Why don't you guys just do sports?" But John also pointed out a show I have not seen, SC Six with Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. Evidently, the advertisers have gone head over heels over that show. That show financially appears to be doing really, really well. And they're going to give it three years to succeed. John didn't mention that, but that's from what I've read across the That's why I knew they weren't in trouble. And the company gave them a three-year commitment. But you can see that they've cut baseball tonight. Instead of seven days a week, it's going to be one Sunday. So they're going all in on the NBA, even though they've you know they've cut out the draft analyst Chad Ford. That was big, and a couple of other people that cover the NBA. They've gone scale way back on baseball. They scale way back on hockey. I'll tell you another. You know what another financial loser for them is that a lot of people don't realize. This will make Sean Morris, my good buddy. Sean Morris from BTN. We'll have a couple laughs about this. You know what a big financial loser is for uh, ESPN? The X Games. They've tried very hard to promote certain things there. They've tried very hard to promote the NCAA Women's Tournament. They've tried very hard to promote the X Games. They've tried very hard to promote the WNBA. None of them moved the needle. Now, I don't think they have they tried to do much with esports, Sean. I don't think so. Actually, I think BTN's done a little bit more with esports than ESPN has. Believe it or not, there is a show, and I wouldn't have guessed that they would put it on this channel. Maybe uh, Turner must have struck a deal with uh, one of the video. Maybe they have got something going on with EA Sports. I'm not sure, but uh, they've put uh, like three hour blocks of uh, e gaming on TBS. That started. Okay. I want to say earlier this year. The ratings weren't all that good for it, but they must have an X number of episodes or X number of months commitment to run the shows. Well, one uh, one element of that that's never taken into account is that that's an easy broadcast to do. You don't need a lot of cameras. There aren't a lot of moving parts. Audio's easy. It's not complicated. And come to think of it, I. Th- I want to I want to say that the show was running like late night Friday night. So obviously they they chose a night when Conan O'Brien wasn't on. Yeah. Right. Well, let's take for example the X Games. The X Games, you need multiple cameras to do at multiple venues, multiple audio at multiple venues. Uh you got to take it around I mean the production cost on doing the X Games is so much higher than it is to do esports. Esports is really easy to do. That's why you saw for years, hey, we're carrying poker. Well, you know how easy it is to broadcast poker? It's easy. You don't need a lot of graphics. The table's only so big. You need only so many cameras. You need only so much audio. It's not that complicated. That's why economically, 
poker has always been relatively easy for them to cover. Doesn't take a lot to do it. X Games, well, that takes a lot to do that. A lot to do it. All right, we'll come back, wrap it up in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sunbury Motors Kia is doing it again. Putting the beach within your reach with the Summers on Us sales event. Back again this May. Buy a new in-stock 2017 Optima Forte or Soul and pay nothing for the summer. That's right, not a zilch, nothing. In fact, your first payment won't be due until October. And 2017 Serenos start at just $24,973. With Kia taking care of your first two payments and 90 days deferred payments, you get up to five months before your first payment is due. But that's not all. You'll also get 0% financing for up to 66 months. And with Kia's 10-year, 100,000-mile limited powertrain warranty, we're talking a worry-free ride to your vacation destination and no payments to it's the Summers on Us sales event at Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. SMC, selling more cars and sticking more cash into your vacation fund. Tax, tax, extra. Zero percent APR financing to all qualified customers through KMF. Restrictions apply. Warranty is a limited powertrain warranty. For details, see retailer or go to Kia.com. All right, great to have you with us on the show today, uh, and a lot of fun. Uh, tomorrow, the Phillies are in this time spot. Uh, they'll have their game tomorrow with the Cubs. No, not the Cubs. Do they have tomorrow? Uh, tonight and tomorrow, a quick yeah, two-game series with yeah. Seattle. The return of Seattle. Chooch, Carlos Ruiz, back home in Philly. I'm sure that'll be emotional. All right. Um, <laughs> Actually, Carlos has had a press conference a couple of hours ago. Great. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, he'll get a great ovation since he was part of the world championship team. All right. All right. The, so the Phillies have the Mariners coming up tomorrow. And, uh, And we'll be back on Thursday. We can get Jim Miller on. I think it'll be interesting because obviously he has a pretty good handle on this. I, I just think that sometimes when things are going so well for you, sometimes you think you can do anything with that feeling of invincibility, and then something changes. I think for ESPN... It wasn't like they didn't see the digital part coming. They did. Because if you notice the digital platforms that they put on, they've worked hard on ESPN.com. They've worked hard to get other programming onto digital platforms. I mean, so they've seen that part. But I don't think they ever, ever saw the cord-cutting thing happening. I think they missed that by a mile. Now, the Big Ten went last in the negotiations this time through. They almost misjudged the market. I think Jim Delaney, to his credit, gets a lot of credit for being able to get out a deal that will start July 1st. That gets 240 from Fox, 190 from ESPN, then 72 from CBS, and then, of course, whatever they get from BTN after that. 
I give them all the credit in the world. It's a six-year deal. I give them credit for that because then they'll be able to re, you know, take a solid look at the market six years from now. But they almost misjudged it, too. While all these conferences were going in there and they were reaping benefits left and right, getting these long-term big-money payouts, especially from ESPN, the Big Ten, of course, was playing out its contract. The one plus the, that the Big Ten had going for it, they had two pluses. Two pluses the Big Ten had going for it. Number one on the football side, Penn State and Michigan both got better, which then kept it from just being Ohio State's conference. Now you've got genuine competition all in the same division all at once. That's one. And the other part that really helped the Big Ten, no question, the Fox component. Fox needs programming, especially for FS1. They needed to hit a home run in college sports. The Big East in basketball was not it. Now to have the Big Ten in football and basketball to go with their Big East package, now FS1 and Fox feels like they have the foundation of something. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.